Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, Episode 292, Planet Comic Con with Sean Gunn and Michael Rooker. And now, constructed on a Zeppelin by an apprentice mage and delivered by a rocket ship to a benevolent dragon, Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing. Welcome to Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, your podcast for science fiction and fantasy media. This is Brent Bowen. Yes, I'm Sans Christie today, but she'll be back next week, and we will be chatting Terry Pratchett, as well as some special news before she breaks for NorwestCon the first weekend of April, but... She'll be back. We'll have a little conversation to precede the episode that we'll have next week. So she'll be back and we'll be ready for a little conversation. Just couldn't quite get our schedules to mesh beyond the interview we were able to record together this week. But today we have a gift for you, and it was a gift to me as well. It was provided by a friend of mine, Tony Fricking, and his daughter, it was recorded when I was in Albuquerque, busy taking pictures for of well, pictures of donuts and other Breaking Bad paraphernalia. Well, not all the paraphernalia, just some paraphernalia for Ferret Stein Mets. I, I couldn't resist. But what we have for you today, it's a panel from Planet Comic Con in Kansas City, Missouri, with Sean Gunn and Michael Rooker, both of whom appeared in Guardians of the Galaxy. Michael is also prominently known for his role as Merle Dixon in Walking Dead. And I'm a tremendous fan of both works. And both works come up in the conversation at Planet Comic Con. I'll have to let you know, I was extremely disappointed to miss the event. I I normally go every year. And I usually take my kids But this year it ended up working out that as I was visiting family in Albuquerque that uh, the con was going on as well. So it just didn't happen this year. But I'm absolutely delighted that my friend Tony could give us a glimpse behind the scenes at Planet Comic Con. This would be a show that my kids in, in particular would enjoy as I used to take them to the convention in fact, for several months after Guardians released, we we called my son Star Lord because he instead of the the Sony Walkman, he ended up commandeering the family tablet and had the awesome mix running on constant playlist with his headphones on, and it was it was quite humorous. And my daughter was a huge fan of of Groot, and it, it, I think matter of fact, her bedroom's adorned with with anything that she can find that's group related. And while, you know, this episode may seem like a little bit of popcorn compared to some of our last few shows, it, it's ironic that someone in the audience, someone in the audience mentions that Guardian should have received some Oscar recognition, which ties in nicely with our discussion of popular media and awards recognition. Uh, in fact, you may recall that Christy and I, just a couple episodes ago, were chatting about that very issue about popular, not just popular fiction, but popular media 
being worthy from a craft standpoint and, and being of quality. And one of the audience members calls that out during the discussion, this notion that Guardians really should have received some some Oscar recognition and some awards recognition, even beyond just the, the technical items. So this will be one of at least two Planet Comic Con episodes. I say two because I haven't had a chance to take full inventory of what Tony recorded. I know for a fact that we'll have at least one more episode where I chat with Tony and his daughter to provide a con report. I really wanted to have the opportunity to get a glimpse of what was taking place on the floor. If anybody watches the Sci-Fi Network, there there was a cosplay show that was on there. I think it's called The Heroes of Cosplay. Anyway, I know my wife and my kids were addicted to that show. And Planet Comic Con last season was one of the cons that was actually featured on that show. And I believe Tony and his daughter Brittany were able to capture a couple of the cosplay folks and talk to them. If not, they'll at least give us an a bit of a recap on the different things they saw and maybe some different favorite purchases and some of the people they met while they were at the con. That conversation that we'll have with Tony and his daughter will be paired with Carrie Elwes of Princess Bride fame. So the next episode will definitely have another, will be another Planet Comic Con show. If you're not familiar with Planet Comic Con, it's one of the Midwest's largest comic book and popular culture pop culture events. And late this year or early next, I made a connection with one of the showrunners. Uh, just happened to be funny. You know, I talk from time to time about my marketing background, and I happened to be at a marketing convention in, oh, it was in February. And I was at the marketing convention, and things felt, felt a bit stale and in the convention as I was sitting there and and I was at that time I knew that I was going to be taking over the executive producer responsibilities for the show and so I sent out a tweet and asked if anyone at the convention had an interest in genre fandom or speculative fiction uh, or media fandom and I had several people respond back to me and we connected over lunch and the funny thing was is a peer of mine that I've known for years in marketing circles. I had no idea that she was very good friends with one of the showrunners for Planet Comic Con. So we made this connection and he was able to to help Tony and Brittany get press passes for this year's event. But I'll look to have him on either late this year or early next. And we can talk about what it really takes to run one of these conventions because they are certainly different than your your typical literary convention. There's a lot going on from the artist alley to all the booze to the to the extreme cosplay that's starting to take place, and they're they're quite a spectacle. And the regional con- conventions are starting to grow to the scale, and some extent is even well. I'm not going to dare say San Diego Comic Con, but you think about New York Comic Con, it's and Dragon Con and and those conventions are starting to rival and to some extent San Diego Comic Con. There just seems to be a craving for these media conventions. So 
In the meantime, I'll include links to the site and program guide so you can peruse the, the types of activities that, uh, that took place. And it'll help complement, I think, some of uh, my conversation with Tony. Well, while I'm mentioning items forthcoming, I should encourage all of you to actually go out to the website if you haven't already and check out our recent book reviews. John Dodds has certainly been out there providing very thoughtful book reviews on a number of books. And we have a new Friday reads and gaming feature that Christy has put together. It's going to be a regular feature that we're going to have on the show. And it's going to cover books that she's currently reading. And Christy's, as you've, if you haven't already figured this out, she's really into gaming. And so she'll be also talking about the game she's really currently into. And this week it's Bloodborne. And she provides a quick overview and her initial thoughts on, on that game, Bloodborne. So... You'll definitely want to go out online and check that out. We'll also have some guests that will be appearing on the website as well, either through potentially online written interviews as well as some guest posts that are forthcoming. So you'll want to definitely go out to the site and check those items out. Some other items that we have forthcoming as I'm on that topic is uh, Christy and I just finished an interview with hybrid authors Jennifer Fainer Wells and Jody McIsaac about the shifts in self publishing and what it takes to be successful in the current environment. The thinking there is we brought those two authors together, and Christy's also involved. We we actually talked to Christy as a newly published author in the traditional publishing model, we end up going through lessons learned, talk to them about some of the advice that was provided several years ago. You think of somebody like Hugh Howey and advice he might provide. And matter of fact, that topic comes up during the interview is that Hugh has even changed his mind about how he would do things if he, if he were trying to get into the business of self-publishing now. He would certainly be taking different approaches than he did when he was first getting into the business. So we we have that conversation with Jennifer Fainer Wells and Jody McIsaac, and that's going to come up in a couple episodes. Based on that conversation and the length of that conversation, I know it will be a two-parter as well, because we really get into some depth of trying to provide practical advice on, on what it takes to get involved in, in self-publishing. also want to just let you know who some of our future guests will include. And I, I believe I mentioned just a moment ago that Christy was going to be going to Norwest Con, so we can expect some, some professional writers and potentially an editor from her Norwest Con trip. And we have Chuck Wendig slated to appear with us in April. And we're going to chat with Chuck about Atlanta Burns, and I'm a big Star Wars fan, so we're going to hopefully twist his arm to talk a little Star Wars. If you hadn't seen that, an announcement that came out that there are several genre authors that will be writing books in the Star Wars universe that will bridge the the end of Return, you know, basically the end of the series, so Return of the Jedi to the new movies. And any of the old canon 
that had existed, including to some degree and somewhat sadly, and I'll likely ask Chuck about this is when we chat with him is the Timothy Zahn books, which I I really adored and really got me into reading uh, genre to to be frank. So, and I know Sean Farrell when he was on the show, he had uh, Timothy Zahn on several times to, to talk about those books. A lot of that old canon that bridged, you know, was post Return of the Jedi is is going to be no longer. So there'll be new canon to kind of bridge the movies. Not not too dissimilar from what they're doing with the the Marvel universe. We'll have Chuck on, and we'll also have well, our slate. Christy and I were comparing notes, and our slate is really packed. And you can anticipate a show every week now through really the beginning of June. So uh, there's going to be no shortage of interviews and guests that we'll be bringing on to the show. This episode is brought to you by Edge of Dark by Brenda Cooper. What if a society banished its worst nightmare to the far edge of the solar system? Destined to sip only dregs of light and struggle for the barest living. And yet, that life thrived. It grew and learned and became far more than you ever expected. And it wanted to return to the sun. What if it didn't share your moral compass in any way? The Glittering Edge duology describes the clash of forces when an advanced society that has filled the solar system with flesh and blood life meets the near AIs that it banished long ago. This is a story of love for the wild and natural life on a colony planet, complex adventures set in powerful space stations, and the desire to live completely, whether you are made of flesh and bone or silicon and carbon fiber. In Edge of Dark, meet Ranger Charlie Windar and his adopted wild predator, and explore their home on a planet that has been raped and restored more than once. Meet Nona Hall, child of power and privilege from the greatest station in the system, the Diamond Deep. Meet Nona's best friend, a young woman named Crystal, who awakens in a robotic body. To learn more, come to the show notes, episode 291 or 292, and click on the image that you will see from Edge of Dark by Brenda Cooper. In fact, we're giving away a copy of Edge of Dark, U.S. residents only. And to enter, email us at adventuresinsci-fi-publishing at gmail.com or share a tweet or Facebook post about episode 291 or episode 292. And don't forget to tag us, folks. That will provide you a double entry into the giveaway. So with that, let's jump into the panel with Sean Gunn and Michael Rooker. Welcome, everybody. And without further ado, please welcome Sean Gunn and Michael Rooker.
I know what I'm not wanted. <laughs> oh, Michael, they love you. You're good crowd. <laughs> easy girls, easy girls. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have two microphones right here in the front. Don't be shy. If you have questions, you can line up on either side and we can take questions at the front over here. Oh, they're running. Okay. <laughs> See, Michael, you made a call for the ladies. They're all yeah, running down here. Cool. All for you. Young lady right here, Harley, Harley Quinn. Let's go ahead. Hi. Um, my question is for Sean. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I have recently been introduced to the Gilmore Girls. And I don't know why I missed it when it was on originally. But as everyone here knows, Kirk does a lot of crazy, weird things. As an actor, were you excited and happy about the weird things you got to do, or were you one of those who went, you're making me do what? I've had to do a lot of you ma you're making me do what <laughs> over the course of my career, not just in Gilmore Girls, but in a lot of other stuff that my brother has killed me in. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I Sometimes it's a pain, but normally it's just my job. That's what I do, and, and uh, you know, people dig it. I like doing it. Some of the outfits I wore were horrible, though. <laughs> dressing up like a hot dog, and dressing up like a woman, and those kinds of things. But I also have to say, if there are too many questions that don't uh, involve Rooker, he's going to start to get angry and snarling and throwing things. We don't want to make so I got to include him. I've, 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 been, I've been placed on meds, and I'm, I'm feeling pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. So we can have a few of those. Thank you. Thank you. I, and I'll be perfectly honest. When I watched Guardians of the Galaxy, watching Michael Rooker, I kept having Merle Dixon in my head. And I kept thinking, he's going to kill everyone right now. Oh, my God. Okay. We're going to alternate. So we'll have your question, sir. Hey, this is uh, for Ms. Rooker. Um, I was wondering if I could ask you a question and you could interrupt me like you did with the broker. Oh, okay, and Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was wanting to ask a question, it was sort of a two-parter. Um, has there ever been a scene where you have to be serious, but you just couldn't be serious? Almost every scene that I've ever done. <laughs> you know, for me, it was, I, I, it was easy because I was given a license at the beginning that Fragman actually finds Yondu funny, which I know is is uh, is sometimes can be hard. But where are you going with this? So that when I had to laugh, I could it, laugh in character. It was always cool. It was it could always be sort of incorporated into the scene. I didn't have to feel like I was breaking out of, of the action. You know? And I was also wondering, um, who was your favorite person to like act with, like? Chris Pratt or any of the other people in the cast, like... Well, I can tell you my least favorite. <laughs> uh, it was a really cool group of people. I mean, honestly, it really was. Yeah. You can't pick one more than the other. I always like to give a shout-out to Dave Bautista because he's such a nice, sweet man, and he worked so hard for that role, and it's 
get it. So I was like, I didn't count but honestly, I didn't single anybody out. Everybody was really cool. I agree. <laughs> Are you dressed as Kenny from South Park? Okay, awesome. Okay, over here, sir. Uh, my question is for Michael. Uh, when you finished the first episodes of Walking Dead in season one, did they tell you they were bringing you back, or was it something like a year and a half later you got a call to return? Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, everyone else in the business thought I was still on the show. <laughs> I was not getting paid to be on the show. It was really difficult to get work. <laughs> Thank you, AMC. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Hi, um, I actually have kind of two questions. Um, the first one's for Michael. Um, if Merle was still alive on Walking Dead, um, what do you think he would be like now that they're in Alexandria? <laughs> I, I think Merle would have been getting some mighty fine action in that place. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the men there? <laughs> Please. Good question. Thank you. Oh, you have two? Yeah. Um, you only get one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's actually for both of you. Now, um, I know you were Yondu and Cracklin, but was there any other Marvel characters that you auditioned for and you really wanted to play other than Yondu and Cracklin? No, I mean, no, because I, I, Yondu and Cracklin were essentially written for, I mean, obviously they're parts of Yondu, particularly part, you know, part of the, the Marvel Universe, but he was written with Rooker in mind, you know, and so I think that was always the way it was going. And I'm certainly grateful to be any small piece of the MCU, so it mattered to me, you know. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think, I think we were always what we are. We were exactly what we were. And are. Fortunately for me, and unfortunately for you. Is the, you were the hardest working actor on that set. He did all of Aww. Rocket. I mean, he did all, all of Rocket. He was on his knees scurrying around like a raccoon for all the other actors, saying all the lines. And then he had to do his own lines, too. He had to, you know, he worked every single day, right? I've been trying to get, uh, to be called the new hardest working man in show business after, <laughs> Except Jam you're not working after right. James Brown. Come on, guys. We're not working right I'm now. so similar to James Brown in so many ways. But no, I don't know. It's not really sticking. Aaron Hill on the last, uh, last panel said that there was a guy running around with a raccoon mask. Was that you? On set? When and a raccoon Chris mask. Pratt was, yeah, she said there was like a, a guy. He did not even no. need a mask. The other actors to believe that he was a raccoon. <laughs> That's called acting. <laughs> A raccoon. <laughs> Thank you. Who's the raccoon up there with the other actors? My question was actually, what was your favorite scene out of every all your work that you've ever done to shoot? What was your favorite scene? Wow. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, um, playing Merle Dixon during their first season, the rooftop scene where they wrote me a four and a half minute monologue where I'm, I'm handcuffed to the pipe. That was that was some of the best writing and, and some of my best work that I've seen in a long time. Thank you.
scene with the broker. And I was just curious how much of that was improvised and how much of that was actually scripted because it, I, it kills me every time I see it. Well, it was both. It was improvised and it was scripted. And we just, and then once you do it one, once you do the, the script, you, you usually have a little leeway to open up and, and play with it a little bit. And that's, that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mostly, you know, you, you kind of stick to the script to begin with. And then if there are things we want to play with, we can. And a lot of times, actually, a lot of the improvised lines would be coming from my brother from behind the from behind the camera. So, he, was, you know. he was back there. He had had beans the night before. <laughs> he was, he was, he was talking out his sphincter. Classy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Over here, please. Hi. Hi, Michael Rucker and Shotgun. Um, Michael, I saw you when you were here um, a couple of years ago for the Walking Dead panel, and you were awesome. Um, but I have to ask, what's more fun, fighting zombies or fighting aliens? I love fighting, period, so <laughs> no matter to me if I'm fighting aliens or zombies or I like real to fight people, too. directors, producers, I don't care. <laughs> anything and anything and everything except That's for the other actors, please, no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Young man. Uh, hi. I was wondering, where do you kind of want to see your character be for, for the Guardians of the Galaxy sequel? Question. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I, I would feel privileged to be in the scene because I don't, you know, you never know exactly where things are going. But I, I, I'm not sure how to answer that question. You I do. I, go, yeah, you go. You know what? Um, uh, you saw the first one, yeah, of course you did, and, and you liked uh, what you saw. And uh, what if he was like, no, I haven't seen it. I'm just wondering. <laughs> I'll be happy. Just as long as Yandu gets killed, I'll be happy. We have, that's we all that really idea. matters. We have no idea. It, it doesn't matter what we think, because whatever we think and however we see the role, they write it completely opposite anyway. So it doesn't matter. Good question, though. Thank you. Thanks. All right, over here, young lady. Well, I kind of have two questions. My first one is, how did you guys react? And what were your emotions when you like watched the final movie? I was surprised that I had I was forced to pay to to get it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even give me popcorn. <laughs> I had to pay another twenty seven dollars for the popcorn. <laughs> What? Fifteen bucks. <laughs> I, anyway, uh, uh, what was your question? <laughs> I, just sit there and, and, and look pretty. You sit there and look pretty. I, uh, uh, it was a, it was really wild for me, um, mostly because of um, Rocket, you know. And I had a sense for what, for a lot of what the movie was going to look like. I'd seen some dailies and stuff like that, so. I had a sense for some of it, but to see the whole piece was really uh, was was really excellent. And then to see Rocket come to life because there were so many different people who were involved in, in making Rocket, you know, feel like a a, a real character to become a real as, character. as well as Groot. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, when we're there on set, actually working, 
Yeah. You know, there's a guy that's pretty, uh, fairly average size, maybe 5'11-ish, yeah. but you can't look at his face. You gotta look at the group face that is on his head and shoulders. That he's wearing a group helmet. Over his, like, this really, is real that group goes up and then it's got a big group face on, on the top. Anyway, so that's how we did. That's how we did group. Didn't it? Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was tough. It was a little bit. Yeah, that was my favorite thing was seeing the characters, the, the group rocket. Yeah. Thank you. Over here. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I would like to say I love Gilmore Girls. I love The Walking Dead. Guardians of the Galaxy it was amazing last year. Should have won the Oscar. Yeah. But anyway, I want to know if you could both take one of your favorite scenes from Guardians or Walking Dead or Gilmore Girls, which that you were in, which one would you pick, and what would you do for the alternate ending if you were the director? I, I, I can't even even attempt to answer that. It's a little too advanced. Uh, I mean, I can't, I can't do it. I, I, I just have to take Sean. Like wearing it all the time on Walking Dead. 
I'll, I'll, I'll answer the last part of that question. It was um, first, it was, it was um, I got good at it, you know, with the extension of the blade. You know, I got very good at that. But the, having it on your arm all day long, is, it was, it was strapped, it was, it was not that much fun, to be perfectly uh, honest with you. It was very cool, you know, to, to walk around with a knife hand. <laughs> you know, nobody messes with you. Um, it's harder to drive a vehicle. And I couldn't scratch my nose because the blade was too long to reach up there. And, and I, to, to answer the second part of your question, I have no idea where that knife hand went. <laughs> Kirk's obviously a very talented and adaptable person. Um, I'm of the opinion that he would be the longest surviving character on The Walking Dead if you're on it. Do you think that he would be able to survive longer than anyone else, or how do you think he would handle Kirk? Him? Yeah. <laughs> Kirk would have been eaten by a zombie before the opening credits. <laughs> Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing for show notes, links, reviews, special guests, videos, and more. Email us at adventuresinsci-fi-publishing at gmail.com. Sound effects from the Free Sounds Project. Music by Asymmetry, found at musically.com. No authors were seriously damaged in the making of this podcast. <laughs>